It's Pastor Bill Lytell, Gospel Baptist Church. Uh, thank you for listening in or watching in either way, whether it be audio or visual. Uh, this is my Wednesday night uh, Bible study. Uh, Bible study is different than preaching. Preaching and Bible study do overlap. Preaching is more application and Bible study is more knowledge. Uh, both of them, however, go together. There's always got to be some application in your Bible teaching, uh, I would think, to, to help folks along. A message uh, I'd like to give you is an unusual, unusual subject is when God's will is overridden. Does God always get his way? Does God always get his way? I don't think so. In fact, I know that God does not always get his way. Uh, number one, or you wouldn't see the world in as bad a shape as it is because God's will was not to uh, end up this way with Adam, but he had a free will as God made in his image. A volitional will, the Bible says, that's part of being made in God's image is we really do have a free will in spite of what Calvinists may say. Uh, the Bible just does not support it or hold that, that that is true. We do have a choice, and that choice will determine where we spend eternity and how we spend eternity. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through 14 is where I really want to go. Um, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's our text verse. Uh, we're going to go through the rest of the verses a little bit, but that really is the text verse. God is not willing. That means he had a will. He has a desire that all would be saved and not perish. The devil was, the, the hell was made for the devil and his angels, according to the book of Matthew. Chapter 25, I believe. And so hell was made intentionally for the devil and all the demons and angels that followed him. But man ends up going with them when he follows them. Whoever your master is, that'll be end up where you where, that'll end up where you will live or where you will be. If it's Jesus, you'll be with him in heaven. If it's the devil, you'll be with him in hell. So you make the choice. Who do you want to follow? It says on in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. God destroyed the world by water once. And he put a rainbow in the sky to tell us he wasn't going to do that again. The second time it'll be destroyed, it will be by fire. The word element means the smallest visible part. That means your hydrogen oxygen element, which is your mix of water, both extremely flammable, put together are not flammable. But hydrogen away from oxygen, God will split them. And the Bible says, interestingly, that Jesus, by him, all things consist, hold together. And so as we've understood uh, nuclear uh, physics and the small elements of this world, we understand the Bible understood that and knew that way long before all those things were understood. And that is just recent history that they were understood. Seeing then in verse 11, it means in verse 9 and 10, because of verse 9 and 10, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, it says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, 
looking for the hasting and coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wow. I am longing for that time. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, assuming, by the way, that you are, um, may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. God has promised to punish evil. Evil is not going to get away with what's going on. The rapist that uh, commits the crime and uh, never is caught in this life, uh, it is not a new thing with God. He already know what he did. The Bible says that to God, night is as the day. The Bible says the sparrow doesn't fall without his notice. The hairs on your head all numbered. Uh, God is into detail. It makes sense to me. This rapist is going to someday stand before God and answer for the crime he did. Justice will be served. Part of the justice and judgment of God is that every everything that is done wrong will someday be answered for. Now, you can decide whether you want to answer for your own sin in, in a place called hell and be judged by God as guilty and a sinner and be cast into hell, lake of fire. Or you can come to Jesus and allow him to take all of that. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. I met a prostitute stripper one day going door to door and she told me with tears in her eyes, Preacher, I'm just too wicked. I've done too many wicked things to be saved. And I said, Oh, dear one, you're the one Jesus died for. You're the one he shed his blood for, went through Gethsemane for, was scourged for, had his beard plucked out, a nailed naked in public thoroughfare on, a, on an old rugged cross for. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses you and will cleanse you from all sin if you'll trust him. And it's still true today. If you're listening in, God has promised to punish evil. Romans chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, interesting verses. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to whom, who by patience, continuance, in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. In, in Jude chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among all of, of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, 37, I say unto you, every idle word that a man shall speak shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Second Peter 2.9, of course, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment and punishment. God is slow to punish. You may even say he's tardy to punish, but he will punish. God is patient. Why? Well, he knows what's ahead of him. He knows what's ahead of the sinner. Uh, he has mercy and his long suffering. He knows the misery that is coming upon them. And he, 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 uh, 
Well, let me ask you a question. What good will the times of levity and fun be when you're in hell? What good will all the times of prosperity and wealth and the houses you've owned and the money you've accumulated and the possessions supposedly you have attained on this earth when you're when you're in the lake of fire? What good will their what good will their fame be and the power you may have uh, uh, had here on earth? Uh, physicians, uh, maybe president of a corporation or a pr uh, president of a country or a dictator or or are you you had power here? What good will that do? What good will what good will it do? Frank Sinatra, that he was famous, and people listened to his singing. What good will it do those people who have come and gone like Michael Jackson, and were literally worshipped by his fans? What good will all that do? Well, God is patient because He knows what's coming their way. Sometimes we look at that and say, why? And I think David did in Psalm seventy three. Why, why do the wicked prosper? Why are the children not stricken? They're healthy. They're, they, everything they touch turns to gold. They got Midas touch. Why is it that those people do so well? And we as a born-again believer seem like I'm, I'm stricken every day. I'm, I struggle every day to, to make it because uh, you're a pilgrim in this world, dear believer. This is their world. This is their moment. Uh their father is the prince and power of the air, the god of this world. Your father, however, is the maker of all that is. And if you'll just patiently wait in continuance and do his will and quietly, carefully follow his instruction, great things are coming your way. Because I'm going to tell you the storm of God's wrath is coming, dear person. Uh, this coronavirus situation we've had in my 68 years, I've never seen anything like it since 1918. There's never been anything like it. Um, just really having nobody in, in my, uh, that I can even talk to has experienced it. Uh, the shutdown of the economy, the shutdown of the of international travel, the shutdown of the airlines, the shutdown of, of even interstate travel in some cases, uh, the asking you to stay at home, the asking the churches not to meet, to spread that so to hinder spreading the disease. Let me tell you, people are starting to say, is this it? Is this it? Oh, I don't know if this is it or not. I'm supposed to be ready every day to meet Jesus. Are you? Well, you need to be. Lift up your eyes, a redemption draws nigh, the Bible says. I mean, I know my time can't be much too much longer than what I've already been here. Amazed already that I've made it this far. But soon I will be taken away one way or another by death or by the rapture of the church. But I can tell you there's a storm coming on the horizon. We old, old timers have been around a while uh, in the Bible a lot. Uh, we can see it. There's a storm coming. Uh, we see the season is coming for God's wrath to come upon. Can you hear the distant thunder? Uh, can you feel the night? Can you feel in the night that sometimes you get the cold sweats? Do your thoughts haunt you in the quiet times of meditation that judgment indeed is coming? For the unsaved, for sure, that's true. Uh, the, the saved person has more of the peace of God than the God of peace. But the unsaved person, oh, they struggle with the fear of death. As they get older, they understand this thing's winding down. And you'll find them all of a sudden going to church when before they had never even given church the time of day. I'll give a warning here. When God comes by your house to convict you, you need to respond. 
because when you are ready, he may not be there. God is not a, a little servant boy to be at your beckoning. Uh, you read Proverbs chapter one and tell me uh, what you think about that, the last part of that chapter. Uh, he said, when, when I was there, you didn't want me. So when you need me, I won't be there. And so you, you look that up and see what you can believe about that because that's a powerful passage. So this, this, this verse, these verses are saying unbelievably and seldom a misunderstood or maybe not even known concept that God's will is being overridden, is being overridden. You say, preacher, you're crazy. You're crazy. No, I'm not. I'll listen to the verse again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but a long suffering to usward. Not that any, not willing, not willing that any should perish. Now look, when God, if he says something, it happens. He spoke and the world was. He spoke and the ocean was. You know the creation story for six days, what God spoke. You know the hardest thing about Gethsemane for Jesus, the hardest thing about Calvary and that, that going to the cross for Jesus was that he didn't speak something and change the course of the whole thing. I, I appreciate what he said from when he was being nailed by them, boy, them cruel men on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Somehow I felt like the... Uh, he saw the angels unsheath their sword as those guys began to drive the nails in the precious Son of God. And he says, mm -mm, mm -mm. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Don't kill them. I got to do this. I must hang on this cross. I must shed my blood. I must spend these hours of suffering, both internally and externally, becoming the very sin-bearer how horrible that must have been for the perfect, impeccable Son of God on Calvary. Nobody will really ever be able to understand it all humanly. But he wants all to come to repentance. He's not willing any would perish. He wants you to come to repentance, but he's not going to get it, does he? You know some people haven't come to repentance. No. They've stayed away. They've pushed away. Uh, that You've given the gospel. I don't want to hear that. That's not for me. But God's will is that they would be saved. Man, he gave his only begotten son. There's no more the father can give than that. There's no, there's no other expression of love God can show than Jesus Christ. He is it. If you've seen me, you've seen the father, he tells Philip in John chapter 14. Uh, I'm, God's, I'm God's expression of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so... How do we know that he cares about all men? Well, Acts 17.30 says, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. In Romans 11.32, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Uh, in 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. In Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus who's made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Uh, Calvinism just cannot hold up here. Calvinism will want to say, well, the only people saved those that God chose before the foundation of the world. The rest of them are damned to hell. No, no. God happened in his foreknowledge to know who was going to be saved, but it was not determinative knowledge. It was knowledge, but it did not determine their decision-making. If it did, the Bible could not be true because the Bible would contradict that so many different places. When the Bible says 
all, it means all. When it says every man, it means every man. Uh, so what, what should this knowledge do for us? What should this knowledge do for us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and 11? For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with the great noise elements, foundational components, that is, shall melt or be loosed with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. Uh, seeing then that, ye, uh, that all these things shall be dissolved or melt, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Interesting, huh? Five things this knowledge uh, should do to you in verse 11b through 14. Seeing then that ye, all these things should be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? First of all, we ought to have all holy conversation of life. What should these things do to you? What should this knowledge do to you? It should change your life. It should change your life. Your whole value system should change. Um, what makes you tick should change. The precious things should change. The idols that you once had should change. Listen, rock and roll stars and all that other junk. When I got saved, I was in a rock band. I We cut a 45. I many of you don't know what that is, but a 45 was not a gun then. It was a, a record. We cut a 45 in a recording studio. Uh, we, we played at the senior prom, proms dance uh, as the band that was chosen to play and to sing for that. And, 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 you know, I thought I was on a rock and roll career. I loved rock and roll. Oh, I loved it. When I got born from above, when I got serious with Jesus, I'm 18 years old, those were idols. Those were idols of the world. They had no place in my life. I took Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, and all them people I had been listening to. It had been preaching to me. And I got rid of them. I got rid of them. Because they had no place. Idols have no place with a born-again believer. So when you get when you get born from above, you change. Um Christ, um, you you want Paul, you want the Apostle Paul in your life, not Paul McCartney. You, you want you want Christ in your life, not Christina Aguilera. Uh, you want to be a you want to be faithful like Mary rather than like Faith Hill. Uh, you you want godlikeness. That's what godliness means. What manner of persons ought you to be? Well, we need to be like God. We have to have a sense of godliness in our life. We need to have a holy conversation. Thirdly, we're looking for the hastening of the coming of God. The word hastening means with the utmost eagerness and desiring, praying for, contemplating the coming of the Savior. The coming of the Savior should be on our mind, constantly on our minds. We should be hoping and looking, anticipating and wishing for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you understand that God is holding, if you understand, I'm going to say this this way, you understand that God's holding back his wrath so that people can be saved. And someday, some of these people can go to heaven like you, like you got saved. I'm looking for the rapture. I want Jesus to come. I pray even so come, Lord Jesus. But I also understand my neighbors are lost. I pray for them every week, many times every day. Um, I don't want them to go to hell. If Jesus came today, likely they would never get saved and go to hell. 
And so it's, it's being torn between two. I want the coming of Christ. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with Jesus. But I want my neighbors to be saved. I want them to come to Christ like I have. I want them to be able to go to heaven where there's no more pain and no more suffering and no more wars and no more hatred, no more fightings, no more conflicts and no more cancer, no more heart bypass, no more arthritis, no more abortion. God forbid no more divorce, no more betrayal, no more betrayal. Uh, man, if you believe this, you should be looking up and and you're and because you're, your redemption draweth nigh. My heart longs, and if I may say it like Lot, I'm vexed like he was. I'm vexed. I look around the ungodly behavior of going on. A few years ago, they said boys could be girls and girls could be boys and and and, and your restroom could be used interchangeably. And I, and I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Come on. The sex of human beings being male and female has been established uh, since human recorded history. And this arrogant uh, self will generation said, no, we're going to redefine that. You can be any sex you choose to be. You know that's not true. You know that can't be so. And so the craziness of all of that uh, makes you lift up your head for the redemption draweth nigh. What manner of persons ought we to be because of what's going on here, because of Jesus and his coming, because of the righteousness that he has made for us? Well, fourthly, we're to look for new heavens and new earth we're in their dwells righteousness. I got to say this. The best, the best is yet to come. Things are going to get better, believer. The best of your existence has not happened yet. It has not happened. You say, oh, I've had some tremendous experience. Yes, you have, but the best has not yet come. Uh, you will have many dreams that will not come true in this earth. They will come true in the he new heaven and the new earth. Fabulous dreams that are helpful, pure, good, according to the will of God. The deepest relationships with people you have not had this yet, this side of heaven. You say, well, I've been married. I've been married 49 years. One woman, exclusively. Uh, un not unfaithful to her in any way. Um, she's my woman. She's her and I have shared life together. It's a beautiful, deep, wonderful, high quality thing. Yet, I believe my best relationships, deepest relationships are yet to come. Because without the, without the evil nature, there would be no reason why I couldn't be deeply intertwined spiritually with other people. Get to know them. Get to fellowship with them. Have a, have, have a wonderful time of, of fellowship without sin. Because without the evil nature, there's no tainting of all of that, no destroying of all of that. This new heaven and new earth will destroy, will, will restore, if I may say, Eden, and there'll be a restitution, as the Bible says, of all things. Restitution, a technical definition, is, a, is a really a medical term. It means a restoration to health. It's a medical term, restoration of all things. Restitution of all things, excuse me. It means a restoration of health. A restoring is place, uh, like a restoring a dislocated joint, putting it back in, in place.
I like it in one of my favorite verses of all time, Revelation 21.5. He sat upon a throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. I had watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ. I don't care whatever you think about it. The gospel was preached through it. I know, no question about it. The gospel was preached through the movie. And many people have been saved through the movie, and I praise God for that, for sure. Uh, the part that was not in the Bible when Mary met him on the Via Della Rosa on the way to the cross, um, he says, Behold, I make all things new. That was a quote of the New Testament. Uh, and that was the purpose of Jesus' coming is to make all things new. Oh, that's good, brother. You may have had a life of sorrows, troubles, unspeakable, unexplainable, another human being. You know, when pain, when you suffer pain, you suffer alone. You can't explain it. Cannot be explained. Cannot be verbalized. But God knows. God knows. They will vanish away in the sight of God's new heaven and new earth. I like what Paul says in Romans where he says, uh, suffering this present time, not able to be compared with the glory that should be. This glory that's coming is so great that all of your former troubles and former sufferings and, and horror, even if it's been for your entire life, it'll vanish away in comparison with it. It's not even worthy to be compared to the suffering you've had here. How are you going to be found in Christ? I hope not ashamed, not embarrassed, not disgraced, not negligent. I hope you're not saved as by fire. You save people. Man, don't, don't go to heaven as saved as by fire. All your works here were, were really in the flesh and under the... Under the uh, fire of God's eye and judgment, they're burned up and all this you left, you're just saved us by fire. Please don't make it that way. By the grace of God, God through, I beseech you by God. That's what I'm doing. Be reconciled to him. Make peace with him. Get right with him. Get the book and read it. Make it your own. May his mind be your mind. May you meld as one. May the Holy Spirit fill you and give you power to walk daily in the things that Christ has taught us. Just remember, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise to some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Please come to repentance, dear one, by the grace of God. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.